Welcome to episode zero of the Carry the Fire podcast. Uh, this is kind of a prelude, a prequel uh, episode of uh, what's coming, and we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One is to make sure that everything gets uploaded so that on October 7th when we launch, uh, you guys will have access to the first couple episodes. So subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you get that right when it comes out. And another reason is just to kind of let you know uh, why I'm doing this, what it's all going to be about. And to that end, uh, my buddy Dan Cope from the podcast Depolarize and also You Have Permission, which is uh, great and has been very active lately. You should check it out. He's going to come on and just ask me some questions. If you're excited about the podcast, uh, you can get more involved uh, already, even before it's out. Check out patreon.com forward slash carry the fire pod. You can sign up for as little as $10 a month. Uh, as a patron, you're going to be able to weigh in on upcoming episodes, uh, interact with me and other patrons, and also receive perks and special access to additional podcast episodes and content. And if you become a patron before the end of the year, you'll also be added to the Flint and Steel Founders Club as a special thank you for supporting the show early on. You'll receive perks beyond the regular tiers, such as limited Flint and Steel Founders Club enamel pin uh, that we'll be getting to you once the sign-up closes at the end of the year. Yeah, check it out. Thanks for uh, coming on, Dan. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm very honored. Um, and I'm also interested. Like, I'm excited about this podcast. Uh, I have followed your music for a long time. Um, and really, you've always been a thoughtful songwriter. I think that most people who are familiar with your work would say you're on certainly on the thoughtful end of the spectrum. Uh, you're not just writing stuff that's catchy. And so it's going to be really cool to see where you go with this. Um, my first question for you uh, you talk about, you know, the big questions. This is something that I talk about as well, and you have permission. You know, people ask these big questions kind of naturally. Sometimes they are encouraged, uh, and sometimes they're squashed, and they're squashed yeah. for all kinds of reasons. But before talking about why they're squashed, like, what are these questions? Like, how would you describe some of these questions? I mean, it's the, the kind of questions that you lay up thinking about when you're a kid, or like, what what is going on? Like, it's It's... The questions you ask before you're told that um, you just need to have an answer to and move on. I like um, that. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's like, why are we here? What is going on with the universe? And I don't know. I mean, it, it's not like every episode is going to be themed on like, all right, what is time? And yeah. Gonna, right. Yeah. So it's more about. I want it to be. I don't want it to be a philosophical show even though you know the, the good the true the beautiful that's these are philosophical concepts in a sense but they're human concepts these are the things that we're all um ascribing value to innately i think and the buckets of of kind of placing this value in it's a way of talking about what we actually care about uh deep down so everyone is going to be approaching those things differently whether you know from different cultures your religious upbringing or not religious upbringing or the kind of work you do the kind of things you've studied it's going to affect that i guess my contention is that at the end of the day there is common thread um, between any human and and these concepts so i want the the show to be very open in the sense i mean it's been hard to answer kind of before it starts people being like what's it about 
I'm like, well, it's about kind of whatever we're talking about that day. What yeah. and the way that these things uh, interact with, um, I don't know, whatever. It, it seems like an uh, an interesting way to approach it for that specific guest, whether they're a scientist or they're a musician. It's going to play out a little different, and that's that's kind of the exciting thing about it to me is that it doesn't it doesn't have a it's got a framework, it's got a, a lens, as I say, but part of my intention in doing it is fostering an intellectual humility and growing empathy for people to just hear from different kinds of people and be like, oh man, I never would have thought about it that way, but I hear this person talking, I, I, I hear their humanity, I, it's getting you outside of the, maybe the bubble that you've been in, so... When do you first remember asking these kind of questions of transcendence? These, um, you know, I, not necessarily like a three-year-old asking, why are we here? You know, but like maybe a little older than that, um, where you, you have a sort of a semi-adult or at least adolescent experience of like, oh, really ruminating on, on these things. I always remember being curious just loving to to think and ask weird questions on twitter the other day i was i posted a picture of uh the globe upside down though with all the the names reverted so just it, it just i thought of it the other day yeah. and i was like someone else has to have thought of this like what would that do to you if you just started looking at the whole world upside down uh it's pissed people off is really funny actually um because of course it's not upside down it's arbitrary that we yes. put north at the top and south at the bottom yeah i mean and people yeah <laughs> it's people were uh, not happy about it someone posted there's a there's a west wing where they they do something like this and it was actually hilarious um the gal's like no hey, you can't do this it's freaking me out um i've always liked uh thinking about that stuff i remember uh, oh, and so someone brought up time or something on, in the thread. And I was like, dude, I used, that was my big thing. I would lay awake at like a sleepover and be like, hey, time's not even like real. Meaning like the way that we break time up, right? Uh, we, we have hours and days, whatever. But I was just thinking, expanding into the universe. I was like, there's no time there. And I, I mean, this is before I was exposed to, you know, anyone really thinking profoundly on this. But my brain was going like, hey, there's no actual seconds or hours or anything like that i mean i'm looking at you know relativity of, of time but as a, a 10 year old trying to figure it out yeah, one way we might determine which questions count is like if you imagine someone asking them between bong rips they're funny and if you imagine them asking them sober they're like really challenging questions i i yeah i've thought about that and i mean that's probably one way to describe the stuff we're getting into is is yeah. stoner stoner questions but you know what's sad about that those questions are associated with stoners because uh i think people stoned forget that they're not supposed to think about them yeah or it's a You're way like, for us to sideline them to not actually have to discuss them but like it's no, not but, but you know what i'm saying though like yeah I, it's like beginner's mind stuff right like right. they're they're asking these questions, yes, that are actually profound. Totally, but everyone else is like, we don't have time for that. Well, and so there's a couple things. One thing that's, you know, they're asking them when they are, their mind is opened in such a way that they could think to ask them, but they're also in a really bad position to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I think, where some of the humor comes in, and that's true. But then we do, I think, that we have a defense mechanism of like, oh, you're just stoned, like people who are getting on with the business of life don't actually ask those questions. Yeah. You know, and yep. then we don't have to deal with them. Ourselves. Well, that's a very, yeah, that's especially a very 
kind of modern as, and especially American approach. It's about efficiency and are yeah. they, is that actually getting you somewhere? But speaking of that um, efficiency and inefficiency, you know, one thing that's worth asking is, um, are we asking these questions in order to answer them or are like how much of the value comes in the asking itself? At one point in my life was, I would get really frustrated and be like, oh, all these, especially um, as a Christian, there'd be people, I have a very different view now of a lot of this, but uh, people would be like, well, man, I I just have questions about this. And I would be like, well, you're not even looking for answers, man. You just, you're just, you're just trying to have questions. And I think it's just a way of deflection of me not wanting to deal with whatever those things were. But I've come to a place where I think the questions are, are more important than the answers. And that's mostly, I think, because I think when we have an extreme certainty about things, it generally is very harmful. I'm interested in asking the questions. I'm not interested in like avoiding answers to, to helpful questions. Right. But I'm also, I don't think I have to land in the same place as someone for that to have been helpful and uplifting to, you know, both people in that conversation. I tend to think of it like given a robust intellectual humility, which is one of the goals of the show, uh, your show and mine both. Um, I think I like to aim for, really enjoying asking the question and then trying to find a provisional answer that works right now and that points me toward the good, the true, and the beautiful, points me towards God, whatever, um, knowing that that provisional answer might change, but not not simply a wash in a sea of, who knows, man, it's the journey, not the destination, with sort of no destination in mind, you know? Yeah, there's a great G.K. Chesterton quote where he says, I think I'm quoting it right. He says, it's not arrogance to believe that you're right. It's arrogance to be unable to imagine how you could have been, how you could be wrong or how could you could have gone wrong. Yeah. And so that, I think that's talking about that provisional nature of, well, look, we all think we're right. Like it's impossible not to. Yeah. You, that's how you function. And that's fine. You just always need to have that level of humility. Like, Oh shoot. Like, I could be wrong. Um, I'm a big fan of the idea of uh, changing your mind being essential to growth. And the problem is we really don't like changing our mind uh, because it means we were wrong <laughs> before. And so it takes humility to change your mind to have to be like, oh, I thought this before and now I think something differently. Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, would say, I, I have always loved especially parts of his essay on self-reliance about about changing your mind. And he says something like, you know, shout today what today says loudly. And even if tomorrow it con it's contradicted by everything you say, um, because it, it, unless you're willing to do that, you, you can't grow. So um, we're recording this after having just recorded an almost two hour interview for my show, for You Have Permission, which uh, will be up about a week after this episode airs, if people want to listen to that. But in Check that interview... Check it out. But in that interview, I was trying to ask you about the good, the true, and the beautiful sort of one by one, and, and it became clear that they're inseparable. Um, and so I would like to just have you say a little bit about the good, the true, the beautiful. Why are they inseparable or, or why do they link to each other? And how did you come to view that as sort of the focal point of the show or the focal lens through which all things will be approached on the show? 
I, I've seen this thread now through my life where the good, the true, and the beautiful are essentially the things that have always been bedrock for me. And I haven't always even understood them that way completely, but various points in my own kind of uh, beliefs or doubts or faith deconstruction, reconstructions, whatever is going on, I've realized those were always at the bottom. Um, and so I had, you know, in my early 20s, times where I was had a bunch of doubt about the, the things I'd been raised believing. And in the end, the reason I kind of came back towards what I'd grown up believing was because I thought it was the only way to, to, to hold on to, to the value of the good, the true and the beautiful. I, I had this false binary of like, well, if you go the other way, it's just, you know, reductive materialism and nothing matters or has any value. I'm like, I can't go there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, nothing makes sense to me that way. So, I guess I'll keep all this baggage and uh, at least I get to keep the good, the true, the beautiful. Uh, more recently when I had a, a deconstruction, a lot of it related to views of inerrancy of scriptures and stuff like that, where I realized, oh, the good, the true, and the beautiful, those are those are really foundational to my experience. And I, I thought I was using the Bible to, to prop those things up, but really a certain view of the Bible was being propped up by these things. And so removing that view of, of the scriptures didn't do anything to those, those pillars. I, I, they just, I had this visceral experience of feeling like, Oh, those pillars are just there. They're solid. None, none of this heady stuff that you've been doing and, and playing with affected them at all. And so I think there's, there's something interesting there where it's a good way to get at uh, these shared human values, a way to talk about things where, I can be like, oh, I disagree with you on so many things, but somehow, first, even be having this conversation, I think it implies that that the good, the true, and the beautiful somehow matter to us. So, if the good, the true, and the beautiful are not separable from each other, what do you think? How how do you see their relatedness? Yeah, this idea that they're inseparable goes back to kind of early classical philosophical views of, of these, they're called the transcendentals. One of the first, the first two transcendentals that were really talked about were, were oneness and, and being. So the good, the true, and the beautiful kind of fit into this idea of oneness and being. And the idea is that if you go all the way down, you follow them down, they, they basically are, are all connected. But we see them separate in certain ways, but we do see a lot of connections between them. So a lot of times to do the good, maybe, you would have to know something true about what's happening. And that's going to lead into maybe a situation that has aesthetic value and is beautiful. And so there rarely is one functioning just on its own. I think we're making connections between them all the time. And so it can be useful, though, to break them apart, recombine them, uh, see what's going on. But I really don't think there's anything that you can talk about that has value that, that can't be described within the three. Sometimes it's helpful to know if a podcast is for you by knowing who it's not for. <laughs> who would not like this show, do you think, and why? People would not like the show probably who have a concrete view of what reality is from something that they would view as as direct revelation, maybe. Uh, you, I think essentially fundamentalists of any stripe will be rubbed the wrong way because what I'm trying to do with the show is, is in a sense, undercutting uh, fundamentalism. It's undercutting 
this idea that you know certainly what everything is supposed to be about because you have this text or this tradition or whatever. It, it's trying to cut against that. So I think whether you're a fundamentalist, I mean, you can be a, a science, scientist is a hard word to use there, but not a, not a Scient, person who does. You could be a scientist. fundamentalist sol- follower of scientism. Yes, thank you. As opposed to science, yeah. Uh, where you think science is the only way you get truth, which is a philosophical statement to begin with. So that's already weird. If you have something where you're like, this is the only place where where I get the truth from, you're probably going to be bothered by, by the show because it's actively cutting against that. And so would it be fair to say it's a show for people who are interested in their understandings of the world being widened and also at, while also widened, focused on these transcendental questions, these big questions and uh, these sort of universal values. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't think if someone actually listens to it, it's the kind of thing that anyone needs to be afraid of. I, I know that there's people who have come up in a, a more fundamentalist way or a lot of people who wouldn't even understand themselves that way, but have that tinge of like, I don't know, this seems scary to just let all the ideas fly. That's evidence that there's some fundamentalist indoctrination that you uh, are a part of. And I would just encourage you, like, it's okay to let the ideas fly. And you don't, you don't have to be passive about it. You can disagree with all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think hearing from people from these diverse backgrounds and beliefs is going to enlarge your view of the world. It's going to increase your empathy and uh, I'd say absolutely it's going to increase your sense of wonder about everything, which is, I think, at the core of all of this. I, I think I think the sense of wonder is is key to to so much. So last question for you, Dustin. You are someone uh, who is very publicly into theology and thinking through things from a Christian perspective. Um, I mean that both in your musical work and Twitter profile, et cetera. Should we expect mostly Christian guests on the show? Definitely not. Well, and first I'd say there's a lot of Christians who wouldn't consider me a Christian anyway. You know, that's where I've come from and have deconstructed and reconstructed that multiple times. I want the show to be really diverse, so I want to hear from people from all different religious backgrounds and people who don't have religious backgrounds and people who do all sorts of different work, different racial backgrounds, genders, whatever. I, I really want it to be as wide as possible. So definitely is not going to be uh, a majority Christian uh, voice. Well, dude, I am really excited uh, to see where this show goes. I'm excited for some full episodes. And uh, thank you for having me on to interview you. And, and again, if, if people want to hear more of our conversation, that will be up a week from the date of this on the You Have Permission feed. That's it. That's all I got. Cool. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, We can't wait to start this whole thing off on October 7th. So make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you get uh, those first episodes right when they come out. I want to thank Dan Koch for helping me out with this episode zero. Uh, I want to thank Oscar Navarro and Pat Brumfield for uh, helping me with some of the setup for 
all of this in the first place. And Andy Lara, who is the show's producer now as well uh, as just being a rad dude and helping me out before he was the producer. Another reminder, if you want to know what's coming up, who, what guests are going to be on, what we're going to be talking about, uh, you can sign up for our mailing letter at www.carrythefirepod.com. And if you want to get more involved, check out patreon.com forward slash carrythefirepod. Thank you all. We will see you for episode one, two, and uh, a special sneak preview of the patron-only episodes on October 7th. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.